Welcome to Jewelry Navigator, the podcast where I share informative gem and jewelry tips guiding you to be informed jewelry shoppers and collectors. I'm your host, Brenna Pakes, graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. You could say I'm somewhat obsessed with rocks, gems, and jewelry, as I believe they are truly wonderful and worthy of their own podcast. In preparation for departure, please be sure whatever audio device you're listening on is switched off of airplane mode and prepare for on-time gem arrivals. Thanks so much for joining me and welcome aboard. Today, I thought I would highlight the birthstone for March, which is aquamarine. And I felt like it's the perfect timing with spring in the air for a lot of us. The blue skies are so reminiscent of that beautiful aquamarine color. And aquamarine gets its name from two Latin root words, aqua and marine, meaning the color of the ocean. And I wanted to give you some gemology and geology background on the stone itself, as well as its relative gemmy siblings. So I'll get into that more in a minute. But first, I want to share with you a few changes that I'm going to be making with the formatting of the podcast. Nothing serious and nothing to get, you know, worried or excited about. I'm just going to be organizing it a little better so that I can follow a better routine. So I will be delivering podcasts in recurring themes, and it's still going to be fun and exciting. And I'll have guests and specialists and be doing deeper dives into gemology of important gems and minerals and some that are lesser well-known. And that's one of the reasons why I started Jewelry Navigator podcast was to inform consumers of all the other wonderful gemstones out there that aren't necessarily represented in every jewelry store. I really feel being an informed and educated consumer is, is very important because you might have an idea in your head for something really special, but if you don't know what's available to you, then you're, you're limited with your selection. And that doesn't, that doesn't serve you well. And it also doesn't serve the jewelry stores or the custom designers well. You know, they want to make sure that you have exactly what you want too. So if you can communicate and interpret to them and with them what you want by having a working knowledge of gemstones and jewelry components and how to communicate what you want, you're going to end up so much happier and have these beautiful heirloom pieces in your collections. Like I said, I'm going to be having some recurring mixed themes. Sometimes I'll deep dive a little bit and give you more information on the geology and the gemology of gemstones, which I feel is very helpful in understanding a little bit more about the gemstone and what to expect. For instance, this is a good example, today's gemstone aquamarine. It is commonly found in larger faceted gemstones. And do you ever wonder why? Do you ever wonder why that is? There are there are specific gemstones that because of their crystal formations there is more material from which to cut the gemstone. So if you have your heart set on, you know, a nice big statement ring with a beautiful, juicy gem, you need to know what is available in the colors that you like. So that's kind of the 
target purpose for these kind of podcasts that I'll be I'll be starting to do a little bit more. But this past week I posted a picture of a large carved aquamarine crystal that is exhibited in the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, which when we lived in Virginia was one of my favorite places to go. And I would tell my family, this is all I want to do. Just leave me alone for about 45 minutes. Come find me when you're ready to go and I'm good. (laughs) So if you've never been, it's one of the most excellent and amazing museums. And I really encourage you to go and see the exhibits. Anyway, I photographed this beautiful crystal and it weighs over 10,000 carats. Carats. <laughs> That's huge. And it's a beautiful obelisk that has been carved on both sides. If you go back, if you look at my, I think it's on Facebook too. If you look at my Instagram or my Facebook post, it gives a description of this amazing carved crystal. And they actually named it Dom Pedro Aquamarine after the first two emperors of Brazil. It's an impressive piece and it just reminds you of the beauty and creations that that come from the earth. So today's focus is on the mineral family from which the aquamarine forms. And the family is, it's called beryl. If you're not familiar with gems and minerals, you may not have ever heard of this. It's one of few minerals that incorporate beryllium into its chemistry, into its chemical makeup. But first, I want to back up a little bit and give you a little bit of background. Let me lay down a little bit of a foundation for a better understanding and just a really basic reintroduction or introduction to gems and minerals and their classifications. Minerals are classified by their chemistry and their crystallography or their shapes and their internal structure. Elements are the building blocks for all matter and are singular in composition. Minerals, on the other hand, are composed of one or more elements and they're always in the same combination or arrangement. And some minerals are composed of a single element, things like gold, silver, copper, even diamonds. Diamonds have one element, and that is carbon. By definition, a mineral is a naturally occurring inorganic solid with a definite chemical composition and an ordered internal structure. Minerals can also be identified by specific characteristics using geology and gemology. For a mineral to be considered a gem material, though, it must possess beauty, rarity, and durability. And while beauty can be somewhat subjective, it's also it's also something that is decided upon culturally, I would say, as a majority. So some things come in and out of popularity and not all minerals are suitable as gem material either. Most importantly, if they are too soft or fragile, they won't withstand the setting process for jewelry or for daily wear. So some minerals, while they're really pretty, they may just not be hard enough or be durable enough to wear as 
showcased as a piece of jewelry, set in jewelry. But there's also a pretty important and significant place for those kind of minerals, and there are lots of collectors who collect all kinds of minerals. So now let's apply these concepts to aquamarine. Aquamarine is in the barrel family, and it's a species of mineral, so I'll get to that in just a minute. Aquamarine has a pretty decent hardness. It's a seven and a half to eight on the Mohs hardness scale. It's an incremental scale of different minerals that each have a, a hardness representing it. One is talc, which is very soft, and 10 being diamond. And anything seven and above is much better to wear in jewelry. So it's considered to have excellent durability. The name barrel is derived from one of one of its atypical but identifying chemical elements of beryllium. And it's combined with two or three other um, significant elements, aluminum, silicon, and oxygen. So now you may ask, why isn't aquamarine just called barrel if that's what it is? Well, here's the beauty of gems and minerals. There is variety and there are different colors, as you know, but barrel in its purest form is colorless or clear. But the really magic thing about geology and gemology is that it's kitchen. So you want to think about it kind of as a, you know, a cooking kitchen where everything gets cooked and, you know, ingredients all combined together to make something delicious. It's kitchen is not a perfect and sterile environment. And that's where it really gets fun. So when minerals form, they're often contaminating or trace elements that change the outcome of a mineral's or, or mineral crystals appearance, and that's in the form of what we see as color. So when barrel is formed with trace elements of iron, the result is a light blue to greenish blue color. And there we have aquamarine. Commercially, the light blue color is most desirable. So to enhance the color and to eliminate the green from the blue, aquamarine is often heat treated to attain that desired color. And just a quick note about gem treatments and enhancement. Heat treatment is one of the most common and accepted forms of alteration in, gem and, in the gem and jewelry trade. It's accepted and approved by the Federal Trade Commission. And if you just want to think of it as a heat treatment as a way of seasoning food, when you season food or you add sugar to tea, it just makes it taste so much better. It's kind of the same concept as heat treating gemstones. And a lot of the gemstones that you see, we wouldn't have, or they wouldn't look the way they do if they weren't heat treated. They're stable treatments and they, they don't change or fade. In some instances they do. And as we get into this series, I'll explain which ones do and what kind of precautions you need to take. But for the most part, it is, it is an, it's, um, it's a stable treatment and it's widely accepted. Before I go on, I want to I want to add another another gemological um, concept to this that will make things a lot easier for you to understand why certain gemstone or mineral families have different color gemstones. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. Just hang in there, just for a little bit more science. So 
um, there are a few mineral families like beryl that in their purest forms are colorless, but with the introduction of a trace element, like I explained with aquamarine and the iron, um, then they exhibit a different color and become a different variety with that color in that same mineral group. And minerals that do that, that exhibit more than one color in its family, but are colorless in their pure form, are called allochromatic minerals. So they're minerals, like I just said, that in its purest form are colorless, but with the introduction of a trace or a trace mineral or a contaminating um, element, I'm sorry, a trace element, uh, it changes the color, but it's still the same crystal form. It's just a different color, and the chemistry is doing that. On the opposite side of that, there are minerals that are not colorless in their pure form and form only in one color, and those are called idiochromatic minerals, meaning they do not form in any other color except that one particular color. Peridot is an excellent example of that. It's that lime green gemstone that has been the birthstone for August forever. Um, recently, just FYI, if you have an August birthday, they just recently added spinel, which is phenomenal. It comes in almost every color. So I will definitely touch on spinel at some point. But anyway, um, just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil any surprises or or reveal anything, but there are a few mineral families that are allochromatic minerals. And just wondering, can you think of any? It's not fair if you're a gemologist. I know I know you know. Now that you know that secret, let's look at some of the other gem treats within the barrel family. And just like I said a couple of minutes ago, just how iron is responsible for the resulting pale blue color of aquamarine, there are trace minerals that affect the resulting color of other barrel varieties. And other varieties that you're probably familiar with, and maybe, maybe not, and that this is why it's good to listen to Jewelry Navigator podcast, because you get to learn about these really different and unusual gemstones that you may not have known about. So morganite is the peachy pink variety of beryl and due to the trace elements of manganese, it's often set in rose gold to complement its peachy color and it's beautiful in the rose gold. And a couple years ago, I would say starting about five years ago, morganite became a really hot gemstone, especially for um, substitutes for diamond engagement rings. It's not the best choice because even though it does have a decent hardness of seven and a half to eight, it's not exceptional enough to wear on a daily basis. And I personally saw several engagement rings that where the morganite was worn down on the top or abraded, meaning that the facets have kind of worn down, it's scratched. Um, in fact, there was one that came into a store that I worked in, it had a huge chip out of it, um, which is not a big deal. You can certainly replace gemstones as long as they're, you know, a familiar enough shape and easily, um, easily accessed or, or found from another cutter, but it might 
have some sentimental meaning to you. And if you don't want to replace the original stone, then, you know, that kind of, kind of spoils that a little bit. But morganite was discovered in Madagascar off the coast of Africa by Tiffany and Company's chief gemologist, George Kuntz in 1910. It was named after or in honor of J.P. Morgan, who was at the time an important contributor to museums, gem, and mineral collections. So morganite is that real pretty peachy pink stone. And I did happen to read a little snippet that a lot of the morganite is also heat treated to accentuate or to... um, increase the that real pretty peachy pink color. Once again, nothing to be scared about. It's just something that's um, a, a common treatment and it's stable. Now, golden barrel, also known as Heliodore, is the yellow variety of barrel, and it has a slightly different form of iron that's responsible for the yellow color as, as the trace element. Um, a little bit different from the iron trace element from aquamarine. And like I said, as we're going through these different barrel varieties, it might give you some ideas or inspiration for jewelry collections or even gem and mineral collections. It's a really pretty yellow. It's um, it's a rich golden yellow. In fact, the name Heliodor means a gift of the sun. Now, a big one, some of you may not know this, Emerald is actually part of the beryl family. It's a variety of beryl. And the trace elements responsible for its beautiful, intense green colors are chromium and vanadium. And it gets a little tricky with emerald because the color is its is its defining identification. I know that sounds weird, but when you have a gemstone that stands out by its color, if it's a paler green, if it's not intense enough, then it's considered or identified as green barrel. And this is why it's really important to work with qualified and reputable jewelers and gemologists because some some practices, and I'm not saying you know, some, some places you can pick up green gemstones and they call them emeralds, but the saturation of the color is not deep enough to, to identify it or qualify it as an emerald. So just, you know, be aware of that. They're still beautiful stones. They're just not a deep green enough to be called an emerald. Another interesting variety of within the emerald variety are called terpici emeralds. Those are really cool. They're usually um, a convex shape or cabochon, which is a smooth dome shape on top rather it being, you know, faceted. And it exhibits a six-arm star and the circumstances of its formation are responsible for the way it looks. It almost looks like kind of like an alien eye with um, six arms that extend out from the center or six rays. And the way or the reason that is that they, the way they look is that shale, um, it's a um, kind of like a mud formation at in a lot of these environments where emerald crystals formed became trapped within the emerald crystal structure and that's how it 
takes on that appearance with those distinctive rays, that six um, six arms of rays that are like a dark brown or a black. I'll post some of this on my Instagram so you can see what I'm talking about. Other rare varieties of barrel are Goshenite, which is actually the colorless barrel. So you know how I was saying allochromatic gemstones or minerals are colorless in their natural form? That's what a natural form of beryl is. It's actually called Goshenite. In the Middle Ages, they found such large crystals of colorless beryl that they actually polished them to become lenses for magnifying glasses and spectacles and even in microscopes. So I found that little tidbit on a really cool website that helped me do some of the research and um, refreshed my memory on some of these facts from geology.com. So that's a great website for all kinds of gem and mineral information. Um, mashishi or mashish emerald or, or beryl, it's a variety of blue beryl, but I didn't see a picture of it. And the reason is that it's not considered stable enough to be used as gem material because unfortunately the, um, the cause of its color is due to radiation and it's not stable once it's exposed to natural light. So it fades, but apparently it can be restored to its color with radiation, but it's just not a stable enough gem material to be worked with and used in jewelry. There is a red variety of barrel that at one time was called Big Spite, and it was discovered by a gentleman whose last name was Bixby, and it's only been found in the southwestern states of the United States in the Wawa Mountains in Utah, and it's a beautiful red gem. Unfortunately, the um, the geologic environment in which red beryl is formed is volcanic, in origin, and therefore it cools rapidly. The rock material in which these red barrel minerals cool, it cools really rapidly, and that results in smaller crystals, which I'm going to get to in just a minute um, as to why some of the other crystals are so large. Another characteristic of many of the barrel minerals is the size of the crystals in which they form. Except for a few of the barrel varieties, many of them form in larger crystals suitable for yielding large gemstones. So this is why at the beginning I was talking about this is um, an important little fact to keep in mind for when you do want a larger gemstone, you want to you want to know this kind of background information. You know, what gemstones are faceted from larger crystals? Because they're faceted from larger crystals, they're larger gemstones. So that way you kind of know what, what gemstones to zero in on if you want a bigger gem. So barrel minerals are formed in an igneous and from molten sources, and they often cool at a lower rate which allows the formation of the crystals to have access to ions and elements rich in elements like beryllium and are more available and incorporated towards the end of the crystallization process. 
Let me back up and add that along with the slower cooling rate, this allows the crystals to grow larger. So slower cooling rate, larger crystals, faster cooling rate, smaller crystals. So that's the relationship with gemstones and their sizes. It's all based on what material is available and how large the original host crystal was when they faceted it. Another really nice side effect with crystals that cool a little slower is the lack of apparent inclusions. And on the other spectrum within the beryl family, emeralds are often highly included with what look like leafy and feathery inclusions. And they're often referred to as jardin, which means garden in French, because it actually looks like there are little gardens growing inside of the emeralds because the inclusions are so prolific and um, many different forms and shapes. The geologic environment in which emeralds form is often in hydrothermal pockets of superheated mineral-rich solutions related to metamorphic rock formations providing the contributing chemistry for the emerald crystals. So because of this heat and a lot of the liquid solutions accessible to the for- during the formation of the emerald crystals, a lot of this material gets trapped inside of the crystal. And what's actually really cool about that, and it's one of the identifying features that we use when, when looking at emeralds, is we often see three-phase inclusions. So the phases are solid, gas, and liquid. And under high magnification, you can actually see little air bubbles and sometimes liquid and a solid all in one inclusion. It's pretty cool. It's really fantastic. In contrast to emeralds, many of the other barrel varieties that we were talking about that do form in quieter environments where it takes longer for them to crystallize in cooler and slower environments, they usually don't have as many inclusions. They're, the gemstones faceted from these crystals are very eye clean because there weren't very many inclusions that formed within them. So just a quick and easy tidbit to keep in your back pocket when thinking about gemstones to use in jewelry. And with that, that brings us to the end of our Jewelry Navigator flight plan overview of the barrel family, starting with the beautiful gemstone aquamarine. Just to review, um, aquamarine is a gemstone in the barrel family. It's a variety of barrel, and it's always the light blue color. Some minerals are allochromatic and form in different colors or varieties. Trace minerals are the reason for the different colors among the same minerals in the same family. And of the most popular barrel varieties are emerald, morganite, and aquamarine. But some more unusual ones are red barrel, heliodor, and goshenite. And one more interesting tip that might you might want to tuck in your back pocket to keep for further reference. Many barrel crystals formed in environments allowing them to grow to large sizes, which results in options for larger gemstone selections. 
This also applies to a lot of other gem minerals that I will cover at another time, and they form under similar conditions. The key factor is the environment in which they formed. Typically, lower and slower cooling rates result in larger crystals. And of course, that's kind of reflected in the space and the area that the crystals had to form. So with that, I thank you so much for joining me today, and please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you all, and if there's anything that you'd like for me to cover, I'm more than willing to stay open to different ideas and new ideas. And as we move into April, of course, diamond is the birthstone for April, and of course, it's a beautiful gemstone and highly used and a lot of jewelry. And still is quite mysterious to a lot of people. So we'll be talking about diamonds next month and I'll have some really exciting guests to share with you with their insights on the jewelry industry and their specialties. So until next time, you're free to explore your jewelry options. Talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.